Our gospel reading this morning comes from the book of John, chapter 13. Now, before the festival of Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, he got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them off with the towel that was tied around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, you do not know now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, one who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean, and you are clean, though not all of you, for he knew who was to betray him. For this reason he said, not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet and put on his robe and had returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is who I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, Servants are no greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good evening, everybody, and may the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be with you all this evening. And I'm going to invite you to imagine with me for a minute what Jesus would have been feeling in this text we just read. Jesus comes to the Passover meal, a time of celebration to witness to God fulfilling God's covenant with Israel, and he is aware of what's about to happen, that he is going to be betrayed, given up to the Roman authorities who are pretty upset with him. The authorities hated his radical teachings of love and reordering society, 
It was threatening their power. The authorities, they couldn't leave to chance what might happen if Rome became a city of sacrificial love and divine justice. And Jesus knows that he's going to be given to them by Judas. Can you imagine what he might have been feeling? And while you and I may hear Judas and automatically think betrayal, we might think this wouldn't be a surprise, that wouldn't have been what Jesus or the other disciples thought about Judas before this night. You see, Judas was just a name like any other back in the day, a disciple like any other. He'd been following Jesus for a while. They had shared countless meals, possibly even worked together to find places to stay along their journey. They were travel companions, friends, teacher, and learner. Judas was a disciple like all the others, and yet he was swayed by the world to betray Jesus. So we can only imagine what Jesus would have been feeling in this passage. Jesus walked into the Passover meal distinctly aware of the faults, the hurt, the sin, the mistakes, the selfishness in the room. And then he put himself in the position of a servant. Jesus washed his disciples' feet, which was a task reserved for the lowest servant because, well, it was really gross. He was aware of the grime and the smells that were going to be involved in such a task as well as the social implications. He situated himself as the lowest servant by fulfilling this role. He started making his way around the table. He washed Simon Peter's feet, then Mark, maybe Matthew, Thomas, James, Thaddeus, and Judas. He washed all his disciples' feet. Jesus walked into a room with someone who would cost him his life, and he chose the least respectable task and performed it to his betrayer. Pastor Robert Hoke writes about this text that Jesus' actions make clear that there is no room for pretense or for feelings of superiority or inferiority in the kingdom of God. There is no room for pretense or feelings of superiority and likewise inferiority in the kingdom of God. Jesus doesn't have an agenda when he shows up to serve his disciples. This isn't some ploy to get Jesus to not betray him because he was kind enough to wash his feet. He's not asking Simon Peter not to deny him or for them to all come up with a great plan for for him to escape Rome and get away. Jesus walks into a room with messy, complex, sinners, saints, angry, vulnerable people, people who give generously sometimes and well, sometimes maybe steal, who love some people really well and harm others. He walks into a room of messy people and he sits down at the table. And Jesus doesn't take a place of superiority at that table. He would have been expected, even applauded, to walk in and take a seat at the head of the table. And if there was no servant to wash his feet, the lowest of the disciples would have been expected to do it. But Instead, he washes his disciples' feet. He turns away from the power offered to him, letting the world be messy, messing up the disciples' power dynamic understandings. And there is no place for inferiority 
in the kingdom of God. Simon Peter tries to protest Jesus' act of service, but Jesus is having none of it. He replies, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Because no one is too small to be outside of the kingdom of God, and there's no place for this ranking system for people to be placed as inferior or superior. Whether you feel like it or not, Jesus is welcoming you into the kingdom of God. Everyone is interconnected. Everyone needs each other, even when that makes life messier. Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. We remember tonight that we're in the middle of celebrating the Lord's Supper, of celebrating a meal with Jesus, where God promises to show up for God's people. We remember that we are a part of God over and over again through this meal. That to be a part of Jesus is to love others the way that Jesus loves us. And yes, that can get very messy. Jesus walked into a room with someone who would betray him and someone who would deny him, and he showed us how to show up for people in messy and painful situations. And that is what Holy Week is all about. So this week, tonight, as we share this meal, we recognize that that was not okay. That is not okay Jesus' life wasn't looking up as he shared a meal with the disciples. There was not a silver lining when he went to the Passover meal. And tonight, we have to sit with that. We have to refuse to jump to Sunday morning and wait with Jesus through the mess. Professor Kate Bowler says about Holy Week that we restrict ourselves from hopeful speech as a reminder that We are not going to save ourselves. Only God can do that. And so maybe tonight we aren't okay, and maybe we can give up trying to make it okay. We, you, might be in a room with a betrayer or a denier tonight. That person might even be within us. Or you might be one of the other disciples at the table completely confused about what Jesus is hinting at. Maybe you're too tired to even notice the pain or delight around you just resting or hoping to rest. Maybe you're Thaddeus and you're just upset that people always seem to forget that you're even there in the story. Maybe you're still trying to figure out how you can be Jesus's favorite. Whoever you are, whoever we are at the table tonight, we ask, or it might not feel like Easter is ever going to come for us. And so tonight we sit with Jesus in the mess, trusting that God is going to save us on God's timeline because we cannot do anything to make it okay. As Jesus' disciples, as people who call ourselves followers of Christ, we do not need to have all the answers. We don't even need to know how to make things okay for this moment. We only need to do what Jesus did. We are called to show up in the mess of our world. We are called to walk into a room full of emotions, mistakes, all the human errors that navigate our world, and look around for a dish towel 
to search for ways to serve that break down pretenses that are not superior or inferior, to be more vulnerable than the world expects us to be, to show up as our whole selves in the mess. At the last congregation I worked for, we asked all the confirmation students to complete some service hours at the church as a part of their confirmation experience. We thought it was a cute idea for them to um, explore different areas of service in the congregation as we were about to make them full adult members of the church. We wanted them to know where their gifts might lead them, how they might get to participate in our congregation once they were confirmed. And so I announced this new plan to the confirmands, and there was one kid, we'll call him Sam to protect the innocent, who came up to me immediately after, very upset that I had asked him to do service hours. And the thing about Sam was that he was very involved. He already participated in vacation Sunday school He helped his mom set up for Sunday school every morning or every Sunday. He was around church a lot. And so my asking him to do service hours was not going to change his life one bit. But he was upset. He told me. He proceeded to continue to tell me that he did not like this idea. And then I started to notice Sam volunteering in new roles around the church. He started uh, serving our Wednesday night meals, and he would help the fix-it guys on Thursday afternoons inflate all the basketballs in the gym. I didn't want to ask him because I didn't want to look like I was dissuading him from serving the church, but this was a little peculiar to me, considering the complaints. And so, finally, I just said it. I said, Sam, why... Are you adding more service to your plate? You've already finished your hours. If you're so against the idea, what brings you here? And that's when Sam told me that one of his friends hated coming to church without him. Because you see, Sam's friend was often bullied at school by some other kids who came to our church. And so Sam made a deal with his friend that any time he signed up to do his volunteer hours, Sam would sign up too, so that they would be in it together. And so Sam would show up every time his friend had to do those volunteer hours, and sometimes it'd be fine, but sometimes it would mean that Sam started to get bullied too. Sam showed up for his friend in the mess that is middle school relationships. He didn't have a pretense or a plan to get back at those bullies. He didn't do it because he felt superior, and he refused to let his friend feel inferior. So he showed up a comical number of hours at church each week. And while he was serving our church with his hands, he was really serving his friend, giving him part of his reputation some of his social capital, being vulnerable with him. And I wonder, my friends, how we're being called to serve tonight, where we're being called to sit in the mess while we wait for Easter. Amen.